maybe takes that same creativity that we bring to our studio practice and to the, to the studio is um, seeking out a, a space for your work or you don't necessarily have to wait for that exhibition in order to create that project. Um, but look at, you know, who's around you or like what, what do you need in order to make this happen? You're listening to Art and Magic, and I'm your host, Devin Walls. Hello, and welcome back to the show. I hope you're having a great summer so far. I am recording this intro a little earlier than usual because by the time you're listening to this, I will be in South Carolina working on a big mural project, which has been a lot of work in the making. And uh, I felt like that would be timely to release today's episode, which is all about large-scale projects and also working with art consultants. And this interview is with Nicole Muller, who is an amazing artist, painter, um, and also fellow podcaster on Beyond the Studio podcast, which she co-hosts. A great show. If you like this one, you should definitely go check that out. And I've really wanted to do an episode about doing large-scale projects because it's a particular interest of mine. And I've found that once you move beyond, you know, like selling your work on Instagram or on your website in these really accessible ways, which is awesome. But once you go beyond that and you want to do something really large scale or something site specific or something in a much more unconventional medium, those waters can be a little bit murkier to navigate. I find that there's not as much information about it. And if you're self-taught and like learning as you go, like I am, there can be a lot of piecing all of that together. So I loved getting to talk to Nicole because she's so open, so transparent, um, and really honors the practicality and forethought that is required when you're a working artist. So she was so awesome about going into detail about her own journey, um, what has worked for her, how she recommends like building your portfolio and getting larger projects. We also talk about working with art consultants, which was really exciting. Um, I really loved learning about that and it's not something we've had on the show yet. And I felt very inspired to um, seek that out and do some of my own research. And I think you will too. Okay, so before we get into the interview, I just have a couple quick announcements. The first one is about Patreon. And as you know by now, at the beginning of every month, there is a special exclusive bonus podcast episode that goes out to the Patreon. And since it is the beginning of July, this month just came out and it's all about overcoming resistance. So I wanted to do a deep dive into like how do we know when resistance is present what is it what is it about and how can we navigate it in the most graceful way possible um i wanted to talk about that now because i find like after the middle of the year i start to lose steam and i could really use a pep talk in that department so i thought if that was the case for me it might be the case for everyone so if you are in that spot and you want to hear that episode you can head over to the patreon which is in the show notes and your support over there is really appreciated it's really what keeps the show open up and running um And it's really fun over there and really intimate. You should go check it out. 
the other way you can support the show is by leaving us a rating or a review on the Apple Podcast app. All you have to do is scroll down, hit the five stars, and write what you're loving about the show. And also be sure to follow us on Instagram at Art and Magic Podcast and share and tag the episodes you're enjoying. That's really how the show gets out to other artists. So all of that being said, I'm really excited for you guys to hear this conversation with Nicole. If you don't already know her, Nicole Muller is a San Francisco-based visual artist. Her work includes large-scale paintings, murals, and installations that mimic the effects of stained glass. She earned her BFA in painting at the Maryland Institute College of Art in Baltimore, Maryland in 2011. Her work has been exhibited in California, New York, and Maryland. She's completed public projects in collaboration with the City of Alameda, California Arts Council, and Downtown Alameda Business Association, Artspan, and the Salesforce Transit Center in San Francisco, as well as commercial businesses throughout San Francisco. Nicole is also co-host of Beyond the Studio, a podcast that interviews working contemporary artists about their professional practices. So Nicole was such a joy to talk to. She was really just genuinely lovely. I know you're going to enjoy this conversation as much as I did. So without further ado, I present to you my conversation with Nicole. Nicole, I'm super excited to have you on as we were just chatting about. Um, you are the first fellow art podcaster that I've had on the show. So thank you so much for coming on to chat. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Um, so we're going to get into all the things podcast included, but I definitely want to start with you and your work. Um, so for those who haven't seen your work, could you tell us a bit about what you make and a bit about your background? Sure. Um, I'm primarily a painter, um, so I make often large-scale, colorful, abstract work with organic forms and flux, um, depicting kind of abstract environments and some process of transformation. Um, I also make site-specific window installations, activating uh, the natural light within a space to Uh, using things like transparent vinyl or colored window film to um, kind of mimic the effects of stained glass and um, dealing with similar themes um, and then also exploring uh, the tangible and intangible nature of uh, spaces with things like color and light. Yeah, I've seen the window installations and just out of like personal artist curiosity, I actually have some questions about that. Do you Um, Do you get those vinyls printed somewhere? Like, what does the process look like for making the the site-specific installations? I'm curious just to get a little peek into that. Um, It's varied uh, depending on how DIY the project is, but usually I cut the vinyl pieces myself. Um, I think the next step would be to, uh, you know, have the laser cutter printed. Um, I've also printed on vinyl. Um, I guess there was one project I did that, but for the transparent um, pieces that are um, often layered in these collage-like shapes um, to create uh, the colored overlays on top of the windows um, that maybe you're referring to, I'll usually um, design the piece in advance and then it, it comes in giant rolls, uh, essentially like a giant sticker. And so I'll usually just kind of map out or draw the shapes 
on the vinyl, um, cut them out and then install them on the window. Okay. Nerdy follow-up question. What do you use to cut it? Cause I'm working with vinyl on a very, very small scale right now. And when I see these like large installations, I'm like, do people need a separate space for this? Like what is the cost? But what you're describing actually sounds a bit more accessible than I think I was imagining. So now, now my curiosity is peaked. <laughs> yeah, it actually is. And I feel like I'd love to, um, get more into the process of what it would look like to be quote unquote professionally done. Um, I've always just uh, made them myself in my studio, but um, there are, I have like a special cutting tool that Mm. kind of glides through the vinyl a little bit more easily, but um, I guess you could even do it with scissors or (laughs) something clean. Um, It cuts, it does cut pretty cleanly. Okay, cool. Wow. I didn't know that. So I did actually want to jump off by talking about your large installation work. Like I know you do murals and then like you were saying the site specific installations. And right now you're working on something massive, which um, we're going to get into more specifically, but I'm a bit curious about the trajectory in getting these kinds of projects and work because I find the routes to getting bigger projects um, feel a little bit more vague. Like it, it seems maybe harder to figure out than just like selling a painting to a collector. So I'm wondering if you could talk about like how you've acquired some of these opportunities um, or just like what the trajectory into doing these bigger projects has looked like for you. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think for me, it's been somewhat gradual and I would look at some of the professional opportunities that have come about as a kind of extension of projects that I've been doing in the studio or personal projects. Um, So a lot of the maybe commission work that I've done for um, site-specific work had originated from another piece or a project in uh, maybe a gallery installation or something that I did in my studio. Um, I think the transition to working larger scale or to working, you know, from painting into installation-based work Um, also felt um, for me a little bit natural. The first job that I had out of art school was uh, working as a mural painter. Um, I'd studied both painting and illustration when I was in art school. And so that seemed like a a kind of natural combination of those skill sets. Um, So for the first four or five years after um, college, I was doing a lot of mural painting. That was sort of like my day job, Um, but it was decidedly separate from my studio practice. So I was working in a lot of commercial spaces. And I think that gave me a lot of experience working on a large scale, you know, painting these sometimes 15,000 square foot office spaces. Um, So it just made, uh, it it got me more comfortable working um, in the studio on larger projects. So creating a, you know, six by seven foot painting didn't feel that massive anymore. Um, So I always appreciate the challenge of working large scale when it comes to painting. Um, It was only when I moved out to San Francisco about four years ago that I started to Um, combine my studio practice with mural painting again um, and started taking on more projects uh, like that. And then the installation-based work started uh, from a a gallery show that I had in Maryland. Um, So the first solo exhibition um, that I had back when I was living in Baltimore, which is where I went to school, I um, had 
visited this gallery space and they had these floor to ceiling windows um, with this really dramatic light that uh, came through the gallery throughout the day. And so the space itself was partly the inspiration for that initial work. Um, and I was also looking at other artists that were working in stained glass. Um, I was really inspired by Matisse's uh, chapel in southern France. And so I was kind of thinking about these other painters who had made some move into designing spaces or installations and then thinking of it like another layer to uh, the collages or to the paintings. Um, so that was kind of my first experiment with the window piece. And for that gallery show, it was um, really DIY. You know, this was a temporary piece. I was using, um, I think, transparent Duralar in layers. Uh, so it wasn't even adhesive. It was, um, you know, they were just kind of tacked up on the windows. But uh, that did, you know, provide me with a kind of springboard to be able to maybe apply to other nonprofit gallery spaces when I moved out to the West Coast. Um, so I think every opportunity I've had to show my work, I've tried to um, kind of use that as a way to take on some kind of new ambitious project. Um, you know, I, I haven't shown my work a ton. I've had, you know, a handful of solo exhibitions, but I, I really wanted to kind of use each of those opportunities to expand my practice in a way or do something that I wouldn't otherwise get to do as opposed to just maybe showing the paintings that I've been working on in my studio. Um, so that's where I had a had had a show in um, Davis, California here and um, the the exhibition was supposed to take place in a smaller gallery that they had across the hall but um, in their main space they had this really tall two-story atrium um, along the corner uh, with again these massive windows and so I really wanted to do something to activate that space and you know I'd kind of use the work that I did in the past to sell them on this idea um, and so I think a lot of a lot of these projects started as kind of overly ambitious personal projects that mm. um, just, you know, required a lot of upfront investment or trying something new. Um, and then that becomes work in my portfolio that I can showcase or that I've used to kind of generate, you know, other paid projects or, you know, more um, commissioned work. Yeah, I love that approach or maybe it's just kind of like coming to light in retrospect but um it's so hard to get commissioned for something that somebody hasn't seen before you know yeah and so um like push using the opportunities you had to really push yourself and expand um and I like what you said about like sometimes that was an extra investment and I you know like sought spaces that were even bigger and better for what I was looking for um I feel like that requires like a certain level of faith in order to like take a bit of a risk in doing something bigger and hope that it will like snowball into the next thing. Yeah, I think I always had a desire to work large scale and to maybe get into public art or just creating work for public spaces. And so I think you're absolutely right. You need to be able to show and not just tell people or, you know, I, I think there's an element of, you know, faith and trust in, in yourself. And we all have that as artists and, you know, the amount of time that we're investing into our work, but um, it is hard for uh, to communicate that to a stranger or, you know, if you're applying to, let's say an open call or um, a, a public art 
call that you need to have work to showcase for that. Um, it's usually not enough to just share or to just say, you know, trust me, I can, I can do this, even mm-hmm. if you know you can do it. Um, there was some intention in trying to take on these larger projects so that it, you know, it would hopefully snowball into um, bigger opportunities down the road. Yeah. So, okay. I'm wondering what advice you would have for somebody who's like, I want to build my portfolio. And usually that means like personal projects, unpaid work, um, work that may or may not sell. Um, but even still, I find those opportunities to even create the work. Um, even if you're not getting commissioned for it can be challenging, like finding the space or the wall or whatever. Um, so do you have any advice for places to go to, to look or apply for in order to start that portfolio building process? Yeah. Um, that's a great question. I mean, there are a lot of, uh, open calls for, let's say exhibition opportunities um, with nonprofit art spaces. Um, those are a lot of the, the places that I've been able to show my work um, as far as exhibitions go. Um, there are also, I mean, you know, there are things like grants that you can apply for or calls for public art projects, but um, to be honest, I mean, I think it's always worth applying to those things, but I do think they're, it creates maybe this um, false notion that there's a lim- that these are the opportunities that are out mm. there, you know, that there's a limited number of things you can apply for. So I wouldn't, um, yeah, I think it it just maybe takes that same creativity that we bring to our studio practice into this to the studio is um, seeking out a, a space for your work, or you don't necessarily have to wait for that exhibition in order to create that project. Um, but look at, you know, who's around you or like, what, what do you need in order to make this happen? Um, I guess one example is, you know, when I had first moved out to San Francisco, I knew that I wanted to start to combine my studio uh, or my painting practice with the, at, with the scale of mural painting. Um, and so even though I'd done a lot of commercial mural painting in the past, I hadn't really integrated the two together. And so, you know, I wasn't getting projects or I wasn't getting invited to paint murals because uh, people weren't seeing my paintings at that scale. And so um, I, I knew that was something I wanted to get involved in, but um, I wasn't exactly sure how to go about doing that either. And um, the way that my first outdoor mural project came about was really serendipitous too. I had seen a post on um, the platform next door uh, that a neighbor had a a giant wall on this building that was slated for demolition in our neighborhood um, and was just kind of, you know, inviting any artists to come, you know, come and do what they want with it. So uh, to me, that was like an invitation to, you know, have total creative freedom. The stakes felt really low because this wasn't a permanent piece. The building was going to get, you know, destroyed eventually. And so then it was just a matter of figuring out things like uh, materials and equipment. Um, And so, you know, I had just moved to the neighborhood and and didn't really know anybody, but it sort of became a chance to um, get get to know my neighbors. Um, So I took this idea that I had for this mural and went around to local businesses. So a hardware store, a paint supply store, we even had an equipment rental uh, place in our neighborhood that loaned out scissor lifts. 
um, and was able to get all of the materials and all of the equipment donated so that I, you know, I definitely had an investment in terms of my time. And this was a sort of volunteer project, so to speak. But, um, you know, I wasn't having to shell out thousands of dollars for paint and a scissor lift. Um, so I think if you just, you know, can be open-minded and creative and look at, you know, potentially what partners are around you, um, you can make really big things happen. And um, it did, you know, it wasn't immediate, but that project did eventually lead to other opportunities. And I think, um, you know, in another way, it just showed that I was kind of capable of working at a large scale. Um, so that's just one example, but I think, um, yeah, that mentality that, you know, artists, as artists, we're always trying to sort of figure things out and problem solve in the studio. And so if there's something that you want to do, um, chances are there's, you know, a way to do it, even if it's kind of scrappy or DIY at first to get to that next stage. Yeah. And I love what you kind of brought in about finding, um, not necessarily sponsors, but like people to donate materials and such. That's something I hadn't, cause I've kind of done some unpaid work in trying to build my portfolio and all of that. Um, and sometimes materials might be part of like the bargain, but actually going out like to the hardware store, people with resources who might be able to donate. Um, I love that extra, extra little piece. Like there's creative ways to, to get your materials and make things happen. Um, yeah. So then that kind of leads me to, I know something you've been thinking about is like the strange ways that opportunities manifest, which I love. And as you've kind of built your portfolio, and I know you've been commissioned to do like a beautiful mural for coach and um, the paintings that you're currently working on in your studio, which are massive. Um, I'm wondering in terms of getting those opportunities, what the best method has been, like have those people reached out to you? Um, yeah, like in retracing your steps, what, what has seemed to work well in terms of, uh, getting commissions like that? I don't know if there has been any, and in one consistent way that projects have come about, but I, I am a big believer in being proactive. And so I think that, um, you know, whether it's just sending out proposals or applications, um, or, building relationships now that, you know, could eventually lead into future opportunities. Um, I always, I always encourage other artists. And I think this has been true for me and something that I've heard echoed in having conversations with other artists too, that, um, you know, being proactive or, or cold calling can really uh, be an effective method for, for generating work, um, generating opportunity. It doesn't always happen right away or overnight, but um, I think that's something I've been thinking about is just how um, the lifespan of some of those things, uh, you know, and I've been out of art school for over 10 years now. And I feel like, you know, some of the things that uh, maybe started for me in those first couple of years are, are now just starting to, to manifest or uh, to bear fruit. And so I would say, um, yeah, reaching out to people, um, emailing people that you want to work with. Um, that is, is one easy way uh, to just start to get your work on their radar. I'm not often working on, you know, projects for, for big brands, but um, most of the time I would say they uh, come about for me through uh, art consultants or through relationships that have, um, you know, kind of originated through cold calling or some form of proactive outreach. 
Um, but usually it's, you know, several years in the making. Hey all, we'll get back to the episode in just a minute. Um, but first I want to talk to you about selling framed prints of your work to your collectors in the absolute easiest way possible. And that is by using the Frame It Easy Shopify app. So this is a total game changer for how you sell prints. First of all, I already love Frame It Easy frames. They're where I already refer my collectors. And now with this app, all you have to do is upload the digital file of your work and Frame It Easy takes care of everything else. They'll provide the size options, the styles, and they'll ship it right to your collector's door with your own branding on it and everything. How cool is that? To get started, all you have to do is set up your Shopify store and search Frame It Easy within the Shopify app to install it. Then you upload the file of the work you wanna sell and that's it, you're done. And just for being a listener of this show, you can get $100 towards sample frames, what? By going to frameiteasy.com backslash artmagic, also in the show notes. Okay, let's get back to the episode. Um, I would love to talk more about working with an art consultant because I don't think we've had anybody on the show talk about that at all. And I'm only vaguely familiar with that myself. Um, so if you're open to sharing, I would love to hear like just about that relationship, what they provide for you, um, how you matched with one. Um, yeah. Anything you want to share in that department is I would love to hear. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I think when I was, you know, sort of earlier on, um, like the first couple of years out of art school, trying to figure out what it really meant to make a living as an artist and, um, you know, having a lot of questions around how to sustain a life um, as as a painter. And um, I I guess the the sort of narrative that seemed most prominent was that you know as as a as a fine artist or as a visual artist you would eventually link up with a gallery and this was sort of the pathway um, but there wasn't a lot of conversation around you know how you're actually going to financially support yourself what does this look like long term um, and the the pathway to, to even connect with a, a gallery seemed very mysterious to me um, as a young artist. And so I guess I didn't feel like that that kind of relationship was necessarily going to solve all of these other problems or, or questions around, you know, how to financially support a life as an artist. Um, and, and I still think that's true. You know, I don't think there's one relationship that's going to kind of be the answer to all of that. I think, you know, the the entrepreneurial mindset is really critical for artists. And, um, you know, we are essentially running our own businesses. And um, so when I, I guess I should back up a little bit. Um, When I was also early on in my career, I had um, a brief job working at a really commercial gallery in Baltimore. And um, I was only there for a couple of months, but I think that experience was really eye-opening for me and how, uh, you know, very kind of sales focused gallery um, operated and worked with artists. And I had never heard of art consultants before that point, but they were working with, you know, all range of consultants and dealers. And um, it was just this, you know, whole new world, but it sort of um, opened my eyes to the fact that there were all these other people that were out there selling work, um, whether they're, you know, interior designers or art consultants um, who, 
work with artists um, and I also work with galleries. And so um, I guess what I was thinking at the time is that, you know, rather than having this kind of singular gallery relationship where you're represented and they're, you know, that part of their role is to, um, you know, help your work get acquired among other things is that these art consultants, um, while they don't represent artists in the same way, um, they have this network of, uh, you know, many, many artists that they work with and, um, they're, you know, pitching your work to projects or maybe including it in proposals um, for some of these commissions. Um, and they're also helping to sell work. So I guess in my mind, I was thinking, you know, if you could have uh, working relationships with all these different art consultants, then rather than kind of relying on a single source, um, you know, you could have a, a string of projects from different places uh, coming together. And so I just started doing research and reaching out. Um, and that has actually been one of the ways that now has led into a lot of um, those kind of, you know, sales or professional opportunities that I've mentioned. And so I would say um, they, again, don't work like a gallery in that they are representing a roster of artists, but um, they are often uh, but they're always looking for artists to incorporate into maybe a project. Um, or a space. And so that's that's the key difference, um, I guess, from my point of view, is that while a gallery has more of a curatorial focus, you know, they're thinking about what artists are going to be a good fit for their space or for um, the types of exhibitions that they're putting on. Um, an art consultant is, you know, primarily working with uh, maybe another a, a designer or maybe they are interior designers. Um, they might even be working with some gallerists or individuals, or it could be, um, I mean, you know, they're all types of different focuses. They might work with corporate clients or healthcare spaces, you know, and um, so they're really thinking about what um, artists might be the best fit for that particular project. Um, and that's where this kind of network of people um, comes into play. But I think they're always, um, you know, they're always looking for new artists to work with. So it felt a lot more accessible to me than that kind of gallery relationship where, you know, you're hoping a curator might um, kind of discover you or there's, uh, it, it felt a little more political, like you've got to wait until maybe you're included in a group show and then you can have a conversation about a solo show. And um, so I think for me, the idea of being able to just reach out directly to an art consultant who's going to be really happy to hear from you was <laughs> totally um, different. And um, that's, yeah, that's, I guess, how I would kind of describe the um, the the relationship but um i guess what that looks like then uh you know maybe once you've sent that initial email is um every so often maybe uh, uh an email will come through or you know they're working on a proposal and they're looking for a quote on a project or uh, maybe a client's expressed interest in your work and you know they want to talk through some details um so things like that pop up and um they're a little bit like the um they are more client facing. So in like that mural for coach, for example, I didn't really have any direct communication with people from coach. I wasn't working with them directly. It was all via this um, artist agency or consultancy. Um, so they're the ones often that have the client relationships. Um, you know, they're the ones that are kind of managing the project. Uh, and then they're, you know, coming to you as the artist for maybe a particular piece as part of like a larger space that they're building out.
Okay. So they're more represent, like if the client is coach, they're more representing coach and acting on their behalf because my, I've been approached by, I think there might be different versions of art consultants and artist consultants. Maybe those are two different things because I have mm. been approached by, maybe it was an artist consultant or it was somebody that like, I would pay a fee and they would like pitch my work to a bunch of people. And that didn't oh, feel great to me I at see. the time. Um, but I know people do that. And I'm realizing, I think that we're talking about something different. Um, somebody yeah. who's representing a client. Right. Yeah. I would look at them less as like a marketing representative. Um, mm -hmm. I'm sure there are people like that out there too. Like if I was looking for somebody to play the role of like actively pitching my work to various mm -hmm. clients. Um, but I'm not as interested in the pay to play option yeah. either. So, yeah. <laughs> um, no, this is just, I would say, um, yeah, it's, to me, it's a very mutual working relationship. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, similar to, um, I guess, similar to a gallery in the sense that, you know, they're providing things like client communications and project management. They're the ones that are out there sourcing the projects, um, mm -hmm. you know, and kind of doing all of that legwork, uh, even handling things in some cases like installation. Um, and then, you know, your your role as the artist is making the work. Um, you know, there are certainly things like project management involved, but um, it is, I think, a way to potentially tap into um, what you were asking about earlier is like, how do you maybe start to um, get your work into some of these spaces or, you know, generate some of these projects? Um, because it's not as common I mean I'm sure it does happen where a, a company a large company or a business is looking to hire an artist directly to let's say create a work for their space um, but more often they're going to be hiring a designer or an art consultant to kind of build out an entire collection for them mm -hmm. okay so then I'm wondering where might somebody start to like research art consultants in their area is this like a stalking on LinkedIn situation? Is this like a Google situation? How did you, when you were doing that outreach, like what did you find was the best way to find the people that might be a good match for your work? I think I literally just started Google searching art consultants in Maryland when I okay. first started. <laughs> so I think that's one way to go about it. Okay. Um, that would be my guess. Then, yeah. <laughs> um, and you, you know, you'll start to get a sense, I think, as you're, um, doing this research of what what types of projects they work on you know maybe what where your work might be a good fit so I think it is similar in that sense of researching galleries um, but I have a running spreadsheet at this point of you know people that I've been in communication with or have worked with but I think um, as a starting point there's yeah a lot of information online and um, nowadays even you can follow tons of people on Instagram um, so I think there are a lot of ways just to um, kind of see, you know, who's out there. And um, another way to do it is even to look at, um, like, if there are spaces that you, maybe you notice they have a great art collection or that you're kind of interested in, then um, to see who's curated that space or like who is the, um, maybe the advisor behind it and, you know, see if you can't like backtrack a little bit that way. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess that would that's how I would suggest starting out, but yeah, yeah. Google's great. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. That's, that's where my mind went. I was like, let me make sure that I would approach this right. Cause that's what I would do is I would get on Google and, um, I love the idea of reverse engineering a space as well, or even, 
I could even see myself contacting a space like I'm looking for an art consultant. Like who did yours, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for sharing all that. That was a bit of like an unexpected detour, but I'm glad that we took it. Um, cause I think that's such good information and it is vague around a, how to work with a gallery and B, even if you have great gallery representation, how that might translate to actual jobs, especially if that's what you're looking for. Um, so yeah, just, I think that's all really important to, mm -hmm. to realize. Um, okay. So I kind of want to talk about while we're talking about like big work, what you're working on in your studio right now, it's been so fun to watch the process. Um, so for those who haven't seen it and everybody, if you're not driving, you should pause and go look on your Instagram. <laughs> um, but could you tell us about what you're working on? And then, yeah, I kind of want to get into the process of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, earlier this year, I um, got a commission, which is the, the largest um, commission that I've received to date. Um, and this also came through an art consultant that I've worked with in the past. Um, and actually, they were the very first um, place. Um, so this consultancy is based in Maryland. Um, they sold, I think, we're the very first place to sell some of my paintings like seven, eight years ago. Um, when I was just out of art school. Uh, so it, it feels really full circle that, you know, this has um, come around now. And um, I've worked with them on and off over the years. So we've, you know, just developed this great working relationship. Um, but this project came about through them and it's for uh, two really large scale paintings on canvas that are each around 17 by 15 feet. Um, that are going to be installed in a renovated lobby space in Washington, D.C. Um, but I am painting them here um, in San Francisco from, well, it's actually a temporary studio that um, I had to rent for this project in particular uh, because of the height of the paintings, um, which was too, too tall for my um, current space. And so it's, it's really been a dream project in a lot of ways. Um, I think one, because, you know, the um, consultants that I get to work with are, are just great people. It's been a really smooth process. Um, there's been a lot of creative freedom. You know, this, this client that is commissioning the works um, has been really uh, open-minded and, um, and yeah, it's, it's, you know, also the first time that I've really had such a substantial budget to work with where I feel like I can, you know, rent the scaffolding and get all of the supplies that I need. And um, that's, you know, definitely another shift, I think, in, um, in working large scale, um, you know, like we've been talking about is uh, going from maybe the the kind of scrappier DIY version that you might do when you're personally investing in the piece to um, doing a paid commission project where, you know, you're, you're working with a budget and you, you kind of, you know, want to do things right. And so um, it's been really great to, uh, to get to dive into this. Um, it's also, I guess, the biggest, um, the biggest, you know, change for me has been uh, using this project to transition to focusing on my painting practice full time, um, which I was previously working um, in career development at California College of the Arts here in San Francisco. Um, so that was my full time day job for uh, for a couple of years. And um, I actually just left that job in April uh, to focus full time on this commission. Very cool. Yeah, it looks like 
I mean, for those who haven't seen it, it looks like a giant mural, but in the form of paintings, um, which is so cool. Are you, so to ship those to Washington, I imagine you must, obviously they're not gonna be stretched before you ship them, but even shipping them in an unstretched <laughs> state is going to be massive. Um, I don't know if I have a question there. These are just like the things <laughs> I think about when I see somebody doing a project like this. Like, and and the other thing I was going to ask was, did you have to rent a a new space um, to accommodate that? Which is oh yeah. exciting. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I was just looking for like warehouses on Craigslist, you know, in San mm. Francisco, and trying to find a space that would let me go month to month that had really high ceilings, um, you know, where I could kind of set up in my painting studio for a couple of months. Um, the shipping is, is still a little bit of a question mark for me too. We haven't quite gotten to the stage of um, scheduling the shipment, but they are going to be uh, rolled. Uh, right now, the canvases are uh, stapled up against the wall so that I can paint on them. Um, the stretcher bars are still being fabricated. Um, but those will get built in segments. Um, so they'll be shipped in um, kind of smaller frames. And then the canvases will get rolled um, and also shipped. And um, part of the reason for that is uh, to make them a little bit easier to ship cross country. Um, but then the other reason is that the location that they're being installed uh, does not have a loading dock. So they mm. would have to be kind of unstretched or disassembled either way to uh, make it into the building so that they could then be um, installed and stretched on site. So the first time that they'll get kind of fully assembled is uh, once they reach their final destination in DC later this summer. We're just thinking like this is a really nice project to have an art consultant on because like arranging all of that yourself as an artist, I imagine, or and maybe you are doing a lot of this, um, would just require a lot of research. So did you, actually, I guess that's a good question is, um, in terms of like how it's going to get in the building and who's going to restretch it when it gets there, are these all things that you're managing or that your art consultant is like helping out with? Yeah, I would say um, it's a collaboration. So mm -hmm. because the project is more local to them, um, I'm really grateful to have their support and help in managing the final installation um, and then helping to coordinate the logistics of shipping. Um, so part of it is being coordinated um, by them, but there's, uh, you know, obviously coordination here with uh, moving the paintings out of the warehouse and um, shipping them. So that's sort of the next phase of the project that we're just moving into now. Um, but they're um, still, you know, managing a lot of that client relationship um, because of the scale of this project, I would say it is a little bit different. So I did um, have a meeting with them when we were uh, talking about the, um, or kind of sharing the um, designs for the paintings. Um, so there was, you know, conversation um, around where, where the paintings were headed and, um, so I've, I've been in communication with um, the client in this case, um, but most, um, most everything else I've been managing here. Um, so, you know, finding the space and um, the materials and um, fabrication and then, you know, creating the actual works. Um, so I would say it's definitely a collaboration. Mm. Um, in working on these, have you found anything like about the painting process itself to be new or different or challenging um, from how you've worked in the past? 
Yeah. Um, I mean, the scale of the works just presents a lot of new considerations. Um, and this is true of mural painting too, I think. But um, I think one of the fun challenges of this has been thinking about ways to scale up my studio process. So everything from mark making to, um, you know, the way that I like to work um, is really intuitively and, um, you know, it's a really active process. So being able to make like a big sweeping mark from, you know, one side of the canvas to another uh, is a lot easier when you're working at a kind of a, a life size or like a, you know, body sized canvas. But um, with something larger than life size, um, I have to really think about the tools that I'm using if I want to create a similar mark. Um, so, for example, I um, use uh, different way, different applications of acrylic paint, from spray paint to um, some kind of like rudimentary printmaking techniques to, you know, brushing uh, the paint on the canvas. And I've been using a paint sprayer to kind of scale up the some of the spray painted marks. So that's one example. Um, but another change I would say for this project in particular is because it is for commission and because I am working against a deadline, um, is kind of pre-planning the paintings, um, which is something I, I wouldn't normally do if I was just, you know, making a painting in the studio. Um, but because it's for a client and, um, you know, because I have a, a kind of a tight turnaround, I really need to kind of know what I'm doing each day in the studio. Because um, I think, you know, when you're working at such a large scale, every mark or decision is so consequential so and time so, consuming if you have to fix it <laughs> yeah yeah um so it's actually having a sort of plan for the paintings has helped the project from feeling too overwhelming um and it also you know let's it, it helps me to kind of know where i'm going and to plan out things like painting quantities like what materials i need to get um, but it's also helpful for the client to have, um, you know, a, like a small digital representation of what the final work is going to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, when is it? When is the deadline? When are you expecting them to be done? Um, well, we're I guess we're recording this um, at the very start of June. So hopefully by the end of this month, the paintings uh... will be completed and on their way to DC. <laughs> Very cool. Okay. I think that they're going to be out by the time that this comes out. I can't wait to see. That's all. Congratulations. It's so exciting. Oh, awesome. Thank um, you. Yeah. I know when it's like, oh, I have to figure out all this new stuff, but even the figuring of that out is so exciting. Like I have to get a new space and like, um, yeah, I just, I'm excited to see how it comes along. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. I, I definitely have you know, felt a renewed sense of energy around this project. Um, I think, you know, when we were talking earlier about the, the strange ways that opportunities manifest, um, I mean, this project is really an example of that, you know, we were coming out of 2020, um, which was just a challenging year all around. And 
I really didn't have much of a studio practice last year um, with my day job and how just emotionally draining things felt. I was not getting into the studio on a regular basis. Um, and so I think, you know, for me coming out of what felt like a really kind of dry period to all of a sudden having this really massive opportunity to dive into was just a complete 180. And so I think, you know, there was a, a definite sense of of burnout um, that I was feeling coming into 2021 um, that, you know, I think having something like this to just feel completely reinvigorated and to be able to really kind of dive into this studio um, with full force has been really um, exciting. And so I'm, I'm really grateful for it in that sense um, because it, you know, it's had all of these kind of challenges to figure out, but it's been, um, you know, something I'm really grateful to do, uh, especially coming out of this time where I think I made like 10 small paintings uh, the entire year in 2020. Mm-hmm. I think that's such a good reflection for anybody who's going through a more burned out period. Like things can turn around. Sometimes you just need a different project and sometimes you do need to have a year of low output and that's all normal. That doesn't mean that there's not something really big around the corner um yeah yeah absolutely there Mm -hmm. are so many seasonal ebb and flows I think and that's that's just part of life as part of being an artist but um yeah I mean there's no way that we are going to be constantly productive no matter what we're making or how committed we are to our work and so I think um you know that's can be hard in the moment I think yeah still um you know, in the midst of that feeling like, feeling like I am moving my studio practice forward or feeling like I am an artist, you know, even though I wasn't, I, maybe I didn't get to the studio at all that month is, um, I think more, you know, it, it is like a mental conversation that, you know, that we have with ourselves. But um, I do think, you know, something else that's true to of the arts, especially is that the kind of relationship between like what you're putting in and what you're getting back from it is never going to be one-to-one. And so, you know, I'm grateful to be at a place right now in this moment where it feels like things are starting to manifest or are starting to come to fruition. Um, But it's, you know, it's definitely taken years of hustling or, you know, feeling like you're kind of over-investing into your work or, you know, you're putting a lot in and maybe you're not necessarily seeing that return. Um, and so I think that is part of, um, part of it too, but it's, um, I don't know, it's been helpful for me to remember and to, I guess, hear this from other artists is that, um, you know, the, the way that things come back to you is not necessarily going to be, um, in sync with, again, what you're putting in, in that moment. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, totally. Uh, I think that's such a good point and yeah so so true it resonates in so many ways with my own with my own experience um I'm curious because you kind of mentioned uh like the conversations you've had with other artists and I did want to touch on this is I know that you are the co-host of Beyond the Studio which is one of my favorite art podcasts and how I found you yeah I love listening (laughs) to it so awesome and um yeah so anybody who listens to this show will also love that show 
But I'm so curious because like I kind of said at the beginning of our conversation, I haven't talked to another art podcaster. And so I would love to hear, and I, and you guys' show has been around much longer than this one. Um, so I'm so curious to hear and having so many conversations with other artists, if there's been like big takeaways or themes that have kind of come into view over the years in having those conversations. Yeah, I think it's really just reinforced a lot of what, I mean, we've learned so much without a doubt um, from, from every artist and the, you know, the nature of our conversations is really focused on the professional development. So, you know, everything beyond the studio, I think, um, and outside of the creative process. And so that's really what um, Amanda Adams, uh, my co-host and I were really interested in, in finding out were how were artists kind of building their lives around their practice and how were they putting the pieces together and how were they financially supporting themselves and, and finding opportunities and, you know, all of these questions that you were asking too. And so it's been, um, it really started from a place of, of curiosity and wanting, wanting to know for our own sake, you know, when we started the podcast in um, 2017, um, Amanda, uh, who's a fiber artist and uh, a maker who runs a, a, her business, Close Call Studio, um, I don't think at that point was um, was full time either. Uh, so, you know, she was working part time and then um, hustling to build up Close Call Studio. I had just moved out to San Francisco and um, was juggling a lot of different creative freelance projects. Um, and, you know, only just this year have I made that transition. Um, so I think even in the like three to four years that we've been, um, you know, having these conversations with other artists, our, our, our own personal lives and, and creative practices have changed dramatically. Um, so I think, you know, one thing that we have learned is just how individualized everyone's career paths really are. Um, you know, there's such power in being able to reverse engineer and to learn from one another. Um, and I would say, you know, we've been able to pull like bits and pieces from, you know, every artist that we've interviewed. But um, I think, you know, and we all know this as artists, it's, it's almost impossible to replicate another artist's career path. And so I think that was what we wanted to um, highlight is just the, you know, the diversity of artist stories that there really are these infinite ways to build, you know, to build a life and career in the arts. And, um, and, you know, some of these things that we've been talking about too, just that there are seasonal ebbs and flows, you know, getting to talk to artists that are much more established and hearing that they had these periods in their life where they maybe weren't even making work or they stepped away from art mm -hmm. for a time was really, um, I don't know, just reassuring to hear like that this is, this is part of a lifelong practice. Um, and, and then I would just say like the importance of, um, of this kind of, uh, these kinds of conversations, like, you know, business development, um, this kind of entrepreneurial skill development is, is so critical and something that um, I would say, you know, any artist that is, is working long-term, um, but especially those that are, have turned it into something that is kind of sustaining themselves full-time, it hasn't happened by accident. And they are thinking maybe more than they let on or more than might be apparent from either whatever you're seeing on social media or whatever you're kind of witnessing from a distance when it 
looks like they're, you know, getting all these shows or opportunities. Um, I think, you know, just the, the focus and intention that they have around developing that business side of their practice along with developing themselves as a creative um, is really, um, is really important. So Mm. I guess that's something that I would just emphasize um, and really the amount of time that goes into that too, you know, even, even for this like project in particular, it's only been the last month or so that I've been focused on the actual painting, but the majority of the project has really been in like the communications, the kind of coordination, like finding the space, you know, researching and ordering materials, like shipping and receiving and, you know, all these other things that go into being an artist. Um, So I think just um, it was really revealing or has been revealing to us to um, have have these conversations with um, even artists that you know look like they're the most productive or, or prolific that they're you know they're not spending every day working in the studio there's there's so much other you know so much um, work that goes on outside of that mm-hmm. yeah I so agree I mean these kinds of conversations are so important I think to just like you said like unveil the business-mindedness that is going into the kind of careers that you might be pining after because and I think this is changing but there there has been a bit of a taboo around like artists being entrepreneurial and business-minded but the truth is is like that's definitely what's happening behind the scenes most of the time if you're seeing like big success and opportunities and so kind of unveiling that with shows like yours and conversations like this um, is so important. And I have been so inspired and have benefited so much by listening to having these conversations and listening to your guys' show as well. So it's a great thing that you guys are doing. Thank you for Oh, thank for you. Yeah. I'm so excited that we can talk together and that you're having these similarly transparent conversations. And you're right. I think, you know, now there is so much more um, so much more transparency than there has been. And um, even even on platforms like social media, which I think can tend to kind of reinforce that idea that, you know, everything is, or it's, you're only seeing a glimmer, of course, of, you know, anyone's life and work, but um, just, yeah, bringing more transparency to, to the conversation is um, something that we're always excited to see too. And I think it is really one of the best tools for learning. Um, mm. I mean, something we found too is, and what part of why we wanted to, you know, start beyond the studio and why I think it's so important to have these resources that are geared specifically towards artists, like the conversations that you're having is that it is such a different, it's such a different industry and world. And so taking a traditional business course doesn't necessarily translate into the arts. And so I think being able to have, you know, conversations uh, with other artists about, you know, what does it look like for them or to even, you know, take classes that are really kind of taught w- through an artist's lens um, is also really uh, important. Yeah, there is no other industry like it. That is absolutely for sure. <laughs> um, well, before we get going, I would love for you to share with us what's coming up for you, um, where you would love to direct people, um, anything you would like to share. Oh, sure. Thanks. Um, I mean, I guess uh, where I've been sharing most about the project that I'm working on um, is on Instagram at my full name, Nicole Marie Muller. Um, my website is the same, just NicoleMarieMuller.com. 
Um, I have a mailing list there that I don't send out very often, but if you really want to keep updated on upcoming projects and things that I'm working on, um, you can also find and follow Beyond the Studio on all the platforms. We're <laughs> all over the podcast world, I'm sure. <laughs> Wherever you can find Art and Magic, you can probably find Beyond the Studio as well. Um, and we're also on Instagram and have a website, beyondme.studio. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on, Nicole. It's been such a pleasure to have you. Thank you. This was so fun. And I'm so glad to get to talk with a fellow arts podcaster. Yes, me too. <laughs> Such a big thank you to Nicole for coming on and being as transparent as she was. Definitely check out Beyond the Studio if you haven't already. Definitely go stalk Nicole's Instagram so you can see the project that she's been working on. Uh, she's done a really awesome job of documenting it and writing some like details about materials and just the process for it. Uh, it's been really inspiring to me. So all of the links for that are in the show notes. Um, other than that, like I said, if you'd like to support the show, Patreon is the best place. So is Instagram for sharing and writing us rating and reviews on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for being here today. Until next time, I'm sending you lots of love and tons of magic.